Welcome to Pup Culture, the podcast all about pup ownership with me, Tom. And me, Neil. Each week we're joined by Kat the Vet, Rosie the Dog Behavioural Therapist and Producer Dawn, who will be keeping us in check and making sure that we're not making any mistakes as you follow our journey into puppy ownership. And making sure we don't forget things like our amazing sponsors, Adaptil. They basically allow you to send comforting messages to help puppies feel calm and relaxed. You can also follow us on Instagram at Pup Culture Life and send us in your photos and your stories and your mishaps um, and basically be part of the journey with us. On with the episode. So I guess a quick catch up. You know, there's some exciting news in the world of pop culture life with a new a new lab. And Kat, it's all going well. You said, you know, the family family lab. Yes, Mandy, the baby black Labrador joined us this week and she's fabulous. She's perfect. She's amazing. She's not done anything wrong yet. She was bred by a client of mine who brought her her Labrador bitch in for some hip scores. And I said, oh, I might be interested and she said oh no no they're all spoken for we're just giving them to friends and family and I scanned her when she was pregnant and I saw the little babies wriggling about and then yeah two days after the litter had been born she said actually we have got a little black bitch spare if you want her so I've been watching Mandy grow up on my whatsapp messages for the last two months and she came home this week oh and we should have something on on naming puppies because it's quite yeah. like Mandy. Why, why Mandy? Yeah, so Mandy, it's not the best name, is it? However, there is a logic. So she's our third black Labrador. The first one was called Molly. The second one was called Millie. And I don't know if you're aware, there's a, there's a series of children's books called Millie, Molly, Mandy. And yeah. so the third one was always going to be Mandy. So we've had Millie, Molly, Mandy. What happens next? What, what's what's one, number? Yeah, four. Yeah, well, number four, we're going to have to think of something else. But yeah, that's why she's called Mandy. Her kennel name is Make Way for Pink Wafer. Love the it. whole litter was named what's, after What's a kennel name? Ah, so she's so... a kennel club registered puppy. So when, the, when they register the litter as puppies, you have to give them, I think each dog with the kennel club has to have a completely unique name. So the owner named the whole litter after biscuits. So there was Ginger Nuts and Bourbon and all the rest of them. And because presumably there's another dog called Pink Wafer. The kennel club then sort of take the name you've chosen and do something with it to make it unique. So they made her Make Way for Pink Wafer. Funnily enough, all of my family have biscuit names. My wife was a party ring. Uh, my, my when she was christened? No, no, no. Like, I think I gave her that name. I think a friend of mine gave her that name. Party, it was Party Monster Ring. I mean, I, I really hope that's a compliment for Party Ring and not some like weird... <laughs> no, no, nothing, to like... nothing to do with furries. Nothing to do with it. It was a compliment. Freya, Freya was... Uh, Caramel biscuit. Uh, I can't remember what Sadie was. I think she was a pink wafer, very similar to Mandy. So, Tom, like, as we're on this topic, Willow and Tess, where were their names born from? I don't know. Do you know what? I think Willow was one of the baby names that we didn't use last time when Alexander came along because he's a boy and uh, just, you know, it's not really a boy name. Um, so, Willow, we always liked, and sort of Willow, I think you. Willow and Tess kind of works together. You couldn't have a, you need mm. a kind of short and a long name together. And Tess is the black lab, which kind of suits her. She's, she's a bit sort of no nonsense. And Willow is quite sort of willowy and always running off, doing daft things, 
always got her ear like tucked behind. She's just a bit soppy, soppier, I think. But names that end in a Y tend to be good dog names, don't they? Sort of Holly. Holly. Strong dog name. So a uh, very good. You, yeah. Guess when we got Holly. <laughs> guess what time of year? <laughs> I got, big one in it. Yeah. Christmas. Christmas. Oh, I would have got there eventually. Would, oh the kids no! Came, was the... She a Christmas puppy, Neil. No. No, no, she wasn't a Christmas puppy. <laughs> But it was around the time. It was it was like beginning of January. Same as Tom. It wasn't just my dog that came in at, at the kind of beginning of January. Mine's Definitely not a Christmas though, so. party. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tick. But yeah, so the kids came up with it. That was their thing. They could name the new dogs. Holly was the given name. Rosie, where, where do you get inspiration for your dog name? Well, Jaffa is Jaffa because she's Fox Red Labrador. And so I narrowed it down to Jaffa or Chili because of the colour of her. And the kids then chose Jaffa out of those two. Freddie, the black Labrador, my husband wanted to call him Efez after the Turkish beer. And no, I, wasn't ha- I wasn't having Dawn, that. Dawn's nodding no. there. Like, Dawn, not... have you had some of that Turkish goodness? <laughs> yeah, it's nice. <laughs> I've never even heard of it. I wasn't going to be calling that across the park, no. So we set, we compromised on Freddie after Fred the Red, the Man United mascot. Oh, is it, is your, is it, so he's a Man United fan? Mm. Well, is, he really he is, un- is, he re- is he really unhappy? They live in Hampshire. delighted at the moment. Of course he is. <laughs> is he? They've just lost 2 1 to young boys. Oh, is he? Oh, I'm just mean in terms of yep. the Ronaldo news. Oh, okay. I didn't want to be stomping around upstairs saying that as a Spurs fan. You know, we, we live in disappointment. Dawn, what about you? Cat names? Um, well, we got both our cats when we kind of got them from other people when they couldn't look after them anymore. So they already had names, but we didn't like them. So we just changed them. <laughs> <laughs> they're cats so they don't care they don't really um, know do they okay but so Rosie, one of them is, one one's on, called sorry. link after the computer game character from zelda because he likes to smash pots and things and that's what the <laughs> character does and the other one um she was called dd and we didn't like that name so we thought we'll call her something else that's cool in the meantime we called her kitty and then we never got around to giving her another name so now <laughs> she's just kitty <laughs> Strong name. Strong name. <laughs> but Rosie, a question for you. Changing yeah. dogs' names. So if you bring in a dog into your family that's been rescued, obviously you want to stamp your identity on that puppy in the family. Can you change a dog's name midway through its life? I think it would depend how well used to the name it was beforehand, so how well trained it was and how much of a positive association it had with its name. Because think how much sometimes people use a dog's name in a not very nice way, telling it off all the time. So actually, it might do a nice thing, changing its name and starting from scratch. And it depends how well you then condition that name to meaning something good. And it depends like how old the dog is, as to how quickly they learn the new name, I guess. I, said that, I, I thought that would be a blanket no, but yeah, there's, I guess there's some good reasoning to actually change a dog's name then. Yeah, if they've been heavily, if their name's been associated with being punished a lot, then yeah, start again, I would say. And this is another question to you experts about names. We will get onto this evening's topic, but we seem to be talking enough of it at, at the moment that we don't have to move on to it too quickly. I've met a few people that, that keep changing the name of their dogs because they're worried about people stealing them. So there's this dog that comes past and sometimes he calls the dog like Ethel and then it's Ernie and then it's like Dave <laughs> because they don't, they don't, I'm not being serious. I don't know if they're the names that they actually use, but because he doesn't want people to know the name of his dog. So getting called and then get stolen. Is that just being a bit hyper cautious? I would say so. I've never heard of that before. And I'd say that the dog is probably not very responsive to its owner. <laughs> Like, I, I think it's more when people ask, he just keeps oh, changing I the name see. of his dog. Oh, what's your dog called? <laughs> oh, it's Dave. But then I'll be oh. out with Sadie and Sadie will be like, oh, what's your dog called? And he'll be changing the name of the dog again. Oh, so it's always changing. That's quite clever. 
Yeah, I guess so. I think it's a, yeah, obviously slightly bizarre, but <laughs> no. I mean, I think okay, pets' so... names evolve, don't they? So, like, they just, they change over time. So it starts out being poppy and then it becomes pops and then it becomes popsicle and then it becomes yeah. sickle and then it becomes sicky. Yeah. And nobody really knows why you suddenly the dog's called sick, but <laughs> it is because that's how it, like, that's how it works, isn't it? Or they're like, the dog's got a million names. And I met two puppies, Vic and Bert. And I said, oh, when they're naughty, are they Victor and Albert? And they said, oh, we haven't thought of that. But yes, they will. So they'll have their full names when they're naughty and their, you know, baby names when they're good. So it just, it evolves, doesn't it? Just well, over yeah, time. And I think the name thing, it was more, it was kind of that safety thing. Because also when we bought the dog tag and put the name on, then someone said, oh, don't put a name on a dog tag. Because mm. if someone steals it, they'll know the name of the dog and it'll come to them. So it's actually on our dog tags. You don't, so that's a bad thing. It's that surname, yeah, for that reason. I, re- I really upset my family when I got the dog tag because I only put my name on it, not the family. It was like Neil's dog. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. This dog belongs to Neil. My dog, my dog. Tom, how, how's the, the dog sleep or the dog sleeping and kind of behaviour? Are they getting on any better? They are getting on, yeah, they are getting on much better. They're both sort of crated together at night and they crates kind of open during the day and they'll, they'll go in there voluntarily. They're still a bit feisty with each other when they're sort of out and about and we're taking them for walks. One will run off and the other one will hide and lie down like they want to jump up and play, but they are quite like bucking stags kind of on their hind legs at each other. It all looks very friendly, but I think it does feel a little bit feisty at times. But mostly it seems to have calmed down. I think it might be because we've had so much renovation work done and we were away for a bit and they were kind of with some dog sitters for a bit. I think they were a bit unsettled as well and the heat wave that we had. So it's seems a little bit better oh good okay so some good advice from rosie and an update i know you guys are really worried about cockapoo holly and the problem with the ears and the lumps <gasps> very very dramatic and very worrying and because the they started figure. they started to grow on both ears turned out to be matted hair <laughs> So well, it was just like luck. I phoned the vet, and you know when you phone a vet, and you're like, I think someone that day had said, "Are you sure it's just not matted hair?" I thought, "No, no, 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 definitely not matted hair." And then I phoned the vet, and I and I thought, "Well, I'll, I'll put in the caveat there of it might be matted hair, or it might be something more serious. We just want to get it checked out." And then that night, I was brushing Polly's ears. I was like, "Oh, the lumps are getting a bit smaller." <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Poor Liz, because I said, oh, I can't take it to the vet. I've got work. I've got to have meetings. So Liz took it to the vet. And the vet's like, yeah, no, no, no. That's just bad grooming. Just got to, <laughs> got to make, make oh, sure no, they actually said that. No, they were super sweet about it, actually. I think they spent about half an hour with Holly brushing her mats out. So now she's got, got the most beautiful, unlumpy Milk ears. ears. Oh, they well, are, that was very kind of perfect. Probably just taking the clippers to them. Uh, but I have a story actually that's going to segue us really nicely from that into this evening's. Before into you this do evening's... That, yeah. Can I ask how's her fly phobia? Oh, yes. Oh, oh, fly phobia, fly gate. It's not as bad as it was, but she'll sit through in the evening and there was like a little fruit fly that buzzed around and, and she's like, her eyes were open. <laughs> she's looking at it, she's checking it out, a little bit worried. She gets a little bit concerned. Occasionally, she's gone under the sofa. We're trying not to draw attention to it. You know, you were saying about flicking things around. I thought, well, there was actually a dead fly, what I thought was a dead fly on the floor. So I picked it up by the wing and I was like, it's okay, Holly, it's fine. 
put it kind of close to her nose and she was looking at it and then it kind of kicked into life and started <laughs> buzzing and I freaked out which freaked her out so I'm like I'm screaming at this little fly because I didn't think it was alive so I think that maybe put us back a few a few days but she's, she does have it she doesn't like outside in the garden she's fine it's not an issue in the garden but in the house the tiniest fly she doesn't like she's not into it could you counter condition that Rosie could you when a fly appears get some yeah. treats and yeah yeah. Yes, that would be the, the aim. It's just if she's under the sofa, won't take Yeah, she, she hasn't been under the sofa for a few months. She hears them and she gets super alert and she just gets a little bit nervous about it. So we could give her treats. Is that thing yeah, you said about, you, you know? The... Yeah, would. Or start playing with her. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah. So when Strange. the fly appears, you start doing something nice. So she yeah. starts to think when the flies come, snacks come or playtime yeah. comes. And it's yeah. a positive association, not a negative one. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll, we'll work on that more. But yeah, it was really interesting. And it was the tiniest fruit flies. Cat, I'm interested in this segue. Go on. Right, just you wait, because this evening we're talking about the bottom end of things. So yeah. talking about lumps on pets. Picture the scene. It's Christmas Day. I'm on call, not happy about it. And I get a call from a little old man who says... My little old dog is really distressed. She's got a huge lump on her bottom. She's spinning around. It's absolutely awful. The family's around for Christmas. She's making a massive fuss about it. We must rush in right now. So Christmas Day, I'm like, fine, fine, fine. I will see your dog. So I went to the practice. In walks little old man with this tiny little fluffy little sort of shih tzu, classic little old man dog. And he says she's got a huge lump on her bottom. We're really worried. Anyway. Long story short, it was a massive clod of hair and poo. And so I made their Christmas day because I lifted up her tail to reveal this just huge lump of shit and hair stuck <laughs> to the bottom end of this tiny little shih tzu. And so I got the nurse and between us, we clippered it off, holding our noses. And I said to him, it's fine. It's just, you know, I've cured her. This is a Christmas miracle. <laughs> I've removed the tumour. The dog is going to live. And he said to me, well, it was my wife that told me it was a lump. And she's 80 and she's only got one eye. It was just one of those catalogue times when I was just like, well, I'm very pleased that I've cured your dog. <laughs> and it's just a huge, the poor thing had sort of obviously been pooing past this dreadlock of play oh, and poo and then it had finally just blocked the hole completely and the poor thing just couldn't oh, no. relieve herself whatsoever that, and you know that what is... got a name? they are called fecalith see i was poor. hoping it would be like a canine cleg nut or something <laughs> so we could clinker or dingleberry cat's, cat's yeah, christmas canine cleg nut yeah it was a it was a dingle it was a christmas dingleberry <laughs> on the christmas tree and they've got a name yeah fecalists or pseudocoprostasis i think it's called i'll have to google it just now but there's like a medical terminology for huge clod of shit and hair blocking your back passage which is lovely isn't it they're welcome to my world a ball of shit only in dogs <laughs> which is a good it, I think it's called. It is a, that is an amazing segue because tonight we are literally talking shit. It, it, this, it sounds like an Alan Partridge kind of segment, doesn't it? But it's, it's an important one. Rosie, do you enjoy it as much as Kat? Talking, I don't enjoy it food? as much, but it's a very important part of what I do as much as it is cats. But I don't get excited quite as to the level cat does, if I'm honest. I think this is obviously a massive subject, but I think what we're going to do is we're really going to focus this 
on kind of that initial puppy poo. <laughs> I guess what to expect and I don't know what to look for. Kat, you can lead this one. Take it in whichever direction you like. I, I can talk Christmas about poo all night. It's one of my favourite subjects. But also I think it's one of the favourite subjects. Once you become a pet owner, it becomes a favourite subject, doesn't it? Because you are just... You do just become obsessed, obviously, as a responsible pet owner. You're picking up after your animal. You're watching what comes out every day and it changes every day. And I think it's something which people get a lot of anxiety about and what's the perfect poo and what colour should it be? And so, yeah, fire away with your poo queries because I'm here for it. Because obviously baby poo is very, very different. And there are different stages of, of, of that process. So when you're bringing home your, I don't know, your 10, 12, 14 week puppy, what should their poo be like? Consistency? Um, should, be look, should you be looking at it, checking it out? You know, what kind of things should you be doing? Yeah, so puppy poo is naturally a little bit softer than adult poo. Puppy food is very rich. So when you get your puppy at eight to 10 weeks, they're already fully weaned. So they're eating a good quality dog food. But puppy food is necessarily very rich, you know, sort of quite high in fats and calories and nutrition, because obviously they've got a lot of growing to do. So puppy poo tends to be quite rich as well. So it does tend to be a little bit, I think, softer than adult and certainly within the first sort of 24 to 48 hours of having a new puppy it's not unusual at all for them to have softer poo or even a bit of diarrhea and that just reflects the stress of them moving to a new home like it's huge change for them they've probably taken one of their first ever trips in a car they've left the litter and the mom there was this whole new family new environment new bed new house new everything um, and that often just comes out in a bit of sloppy poo but my general rule for new puppy owners is look if the puppy themselves are happy and bright and eating and most importantly drinking so replacing any fluid they're losing don't worry too much about what comes out of the back end because it'll probably settle down in a couple of days to come back to a sort of formed but soft consistency the issues with puppy poo come they're like babies they're very vulnerable to dehydration so if they get poorly and don't eat and drink properly because when you've got diarrhea or you've got sloppy poo what you're losing is you're losing excess fluid you know it, it the consistency is sloppy but it's the it's the water loss out of the body that's actually important as long as they're replacing it, it's fine as soon as they stop replacing it and get and if they get sick that's when they can dehydrate and get poorly quite quickly so don't worry too much if it's sloppy as long as your puppy is bright that's the first sort of rule did, did you have that when you got your puppies home were they a bit squidgy for a couple of days tom um not massively there were, there were kind of sort of days where it's up and down and you kind of you will get kind of like firmer ones and slightly messier ones but they feel like they were kind of writing themselves and they didn't seem ill so we didn't sort of worry about it and i think because we had two of them they were quite settled anyway and they were quite settled in each of this company so it was it was kind of they were quite happy in themselves anyway so they were kind of uh, we knew what dog food the um the breeder had been using so we we used the same which kind of helped so yeah nothing nothing unusual having kids you get to kind of know when to panic and when not to panic and what's right and what's not right and you go ah, it's fine and yeah. it was the parallels that... between dogs and, and children are amazing and keeping the food the same is the key. Did yours ever eat each other's poo, given that there were two of them? No, they've never done that, ever. The only sort of poo-related thing that they've done that's a bit weird and grim, we run in a field where the cows are, and sometimes they have a lick of those if it's a nice, fresh one. I hope everyone's enjoying their dinner. 
are listening to this. And Foxpoo, obviously, they love a little lie around in that Foxpoo thing, which I don't get particularly why it's Foxpoo, but it's sort of, it's that horrible musty smell. It's so horrible and weird. It just won't go. I quite like to know why they do that. Why dogs, why why dogs, particularly Foxpoo, they love. Oh, they do adore it. Yeah. Poo out the back end, poo in the front end. I mean, a nice steaming hot cow pack especially to a Labrador's taste buds, is just a lovely bowl of vegetable soup, essentially. <laughs> is it? Is it? Like, it's okay. It's not going to do them any damage, if they've, you know, as a delicacy every now and again. Not that you feed no, it to them, but, not, like, it, not, it's not going to... No, not not herbivore feces. And the what, about cat, what about cat yeah, poo? Because so Holly, Holly, Holly had a little, a little chunk of that the other day. A bit grim. Going truffle hunting for cat poo is just disgusting, yeah. isn't it? So carnivore feces, so because the risk there is parasites and because the parasites that infect dogs will also infect cats, so like intestinal worms and things. And obviously the worm eggs are shed in the feces. So if you've got an active worm infestation in a pet or any animal, the worm eggs are shed in the feces. They're microscopic, so you can't see them. There can be millions in really normal looking poo. And then if they eat the worm eggs, that's exactly how they spread. They go from... But if, so that, but if they're if, if they're taking the worming medicine and everything else, does that protect them from that or or not? Yes and no. So the way that wormers work is that they have a flushing out effect. It lasts about twenty four hours in the system, kills everything, and then disappears again. So when you worm your pet, you're basically just cleaning them out, but you're not leaving with any residual protection. That's different to flea products and outside parasites, incoming posh word, ectoparasites, that those products last in the skin and the the surface dander. So they are their protection lasts, whereas worming for the, your endoparasites, your intestinal parasites, it doesn't. So you could worm your dog one day and then it could have a little snacket of a small few pellets odor shaft the next day and be reinfected. But it takes at least a month for that little worm egg to grow into an adult worm to therefore produce eggs. And as long as you're worming, we generally recommend a worming frequency of once every three months. So your cat or your dog might be infected during that period of time and those worms will grow and shed. But it's the three monthly window is considered about right for an average pet picking up an average amount of worms to be then shedding the worm eggs in their feces. Because the reason we worm that our pets, our puppies, is worms can completely overwhelm their system, make them really, really poorly and potentially even kill them. So worming young animals is to protect their health. Worming adult animals, adult animals' immune systems generally hold a worm infestation unless it's absolutely overwhelming in their own body in check. So they can cope with a worm burden, but we worm them for population control and protection and also human protection because some of the worms, they're the ones that can infect people. So that's why, you know, fecal oral hygiene is so important and, you know, not letting your children play in sand pits that are secretly just big cat litter trays and that sort of thing. So that's why we worm. So, so, yeah, you, so from, from, from a vet point of view and a health point of view, you would very much recommend to make sure that new puppy owners make sure they're getting their, their puppies wormed and, and fleed on at, at oh, least a kind of regular and, and yeah. the worms i mean maybe we could do uh, you know one of these podcasts just about parasites because they're also fascinating to my little brain anyway but it's really really important and the worms are so sneaky they lie in wait in the mammary glands and then when the puppy suckles they wake up and go through the milk so unless the bitch has been really well wormed the puppies will be infected with worms right from the off and then they can pick them up and it can. So yeah, yeah, worming puppies is, is, is really important. 
And back to the poo, you can't always tell. Sometimes they will pass fresh adult wriggly worms in the poo, which always, you know, delights me when people bring me pictures or videos or even live worms. That's extremely exciting for my little brain. But, it, you know, you can have a dog with completely normal, absolutely perfect poo and be riddled with worms because the worms are happy and alive, living in the intestinal system and shedding their eggs. But the eggs are microscopic, so you won't see them. Wow. Well, so much info. Almost. It sounds like a whole episode, as you say, we could have on Parasite, which would be interesting. If we if we rewind a little bit, go back to kind of the puppy poo. We're, so we're, we're talking about the softer poos for puppies is OK. I know Holly, her poos were pretty soft for a couple of weeks. But then I think when she became more settled, they, you know, they, they kind of firmed up. I think from our side with the poo, it was more the behavior around poo. So Rosie, you know, because for puppies, I think the big thing for us that we touched on in a previous episode is she would poo in the crate. And that was always, we were told that that, that doesn't happen. They don't poo where they sleep. Um, but, you know, Tom will know, you know, I lost a lot of sleep and I'd come into work. It's awful. Like another, another, <laughs> another, another. And the cleanup as well, because of the crate, you know, it gets on the bars and they kick it through onto the kitchen wall that we just had painted. And it's just grim at two o'clock in the morning. At least with kids, it's in a nappy. You know, there's somewhat contained it was grim so you know what what's the reason for that why was she pooing in the crate when we'd heard that it's not something that they would do and how do you stop it how do you get them out of that kind of process well i think the the theory behind they won't poo in their crate is not gonna be true if the puppy is desperate to go and and hasn't got the choice I would also like, there's so much history that Kat and I could ask you about that back in the days when she was a puppy. Like, what was her poo like in the daytime? How how frequently was she going then? Like, was it only at nighttime she was going at ridiculous amount? Trying to suss out whether it there was a medical something going on, like something like Giardia, or whether it was a behavioural response to stress, because that's another thing with poo. And the reason it's important from a behavioural perspective is there's a huge link between the gut and the brain. So when we get anxious or scared, when we get anxious, we tend to get, you have to go to the toilet, you get a funny tummy. And when you get very frightened, people and animals can poo themselves. And adrenaline as well. So even excitement and positive arousal will also cause feces to be soft. So there's a big link there. And it's sometimes tricky to decipher the behavioural medical what's causing it and that's where the veterinary behaviourist puppy trainer might need to liaise quite a lot to figure out exactly what's going on there so yeah in it's hard to know what was going on with holly i don't know whether you ever got fecal tests done by the vet no because we tried so much like we reduced the size of the crate that seemed to work a little bit because they said the crate she was in was too big we thought well she'll grow into it but then we kind of looked online it's like actually you know they can segment themselves in terms of they'll poo in the corner and then they'll kind of sleep to one side and th- th- she was fine for the rest of the day and it was really funny it was like literally overnight you know, it stopped happening and she got into a routine. But I think the, the annoying thing was speaking to Tom and it was like, Tom, you must be having this. Like, no, no, mate. No, no, no way. Nothing, nothing wrong with my dogs. She you know, was like regular. saving Clockwork. them up for you though, wasn't she? Because you would take her out and she would sort of, would she go and she and then she'd wait until yeah. you fell asleep and then she'd lay a log it, for it, you. It, it, was, sort of it was like a game. I would take her out at two o'clock in the morning because I had all my timing set up and I'd be out there for an hour, whatever oh. it was. And then I'd come back in, put her in the crate, and then I would creep my 10 metres away, whatever I was at that particular time, lie down on the floor, just be kind of drifting off and there'd be a bit of scratching and then this this kind of pungent whiff of poo come through. And then I'd get through and open a crate and there she was, just kind of sitting by it. And it's like, oh, brilliant, here we go again. Oh, no, not that. Well, that's because you've woken her up. 
got her guts moving. She'd mm. had a lovely time playing in the garden. Gone back to bed. <laughs> said, oh, I shall uh, just empty myself ready for my nap number two now. Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> and it was it was a bloody nightmare though. It was since going for quite a long time, didn't it? It was a. I, a, I feel like, like two you're or three quite weeks. you're quite traumatized, aren't you, Neil? From it, I feel like you are. <laughs> it was worse than having kids because obviously poor old Liz with the kids was up most of the time. I now have some feeling of what it's like to get up in the middle of the night and look after the kids i did actually i no. i hold on i did get up and bottle feed the kids from time to time just putting my parenting kind of hat on here i did take my my, my turn but it, it was difficult and i think it was like sleep deprivation for eight 12 weeks of just mm. trying to get used to it and she's like she's fine now sleeping and getting up in the morning that's something else that I think it's another episode. It's, that's not related to poo. But like the, the behavioural side with puppies as well, we've spoken about eating the poo. How can you stop your dog from enjoying tucking in to a, a cup of cat poo? So stopping them eating cat poo and other stuff that might not be so good for them. Yeah, or other um, dog poo or, or stuff like that. So I personally think that the way we, we react when our little tiny precious puppy goes to sniff and investigate something like that on their first walk probably exacerbates the whole problem because by us reacting and going no no leave it leave it don't don't look at that don't touch it that's disgusting don't we inadvertently add extrinsic value to the poo and the puppy thinks god blimey that must have been something special because of how my owner just reacted so next time they come across something they dive in and grab a mouthful before we have the chance to pull them off and say leave it so personally if it's a very young puppy who's never really discovered what poo is or what it tastes like or how delicious it is, as soon as they go to sniff it or investigate it or lick it, I would just call them and distract them and do something to make them turn away from it and reward them for being distracted and move them on. So instead of making a deal of the poo, I would make a deal of how brilliant and how exciting you are as an owner and reward that massively with the tasty treats you've got in your pocket and move on yeah. and that's how yeah. I, and that's and that's how I would respond to anything that the puppy like if it was litter on the floor or anything that they are they are going to investigate things they haven't got hands they haven't got posable thumbs to pick things up and feel and investigate they are going to use their mouths and unfortunately our reaction to that causes a huge amount of problems with eating things they shouldn't whether it's poo or otherwise and um, possessive guarding behaviours as well potentially further down the line it's, it's quite difficult to do those isn't it like if let's say the dog's in the garden the puppy's in the garden and the next thing you know about it is when they're in kind of licking your face and you can smell cats well it's cats too late then anyway breath. to do anything isn't it far too late but, but, but then, I, yeah it's... i had a good example here with my young dog when she was a puppy we had ponies at the time and she started tucking into their poo which as cat said isn't a worry to me it is just well digested grass but the thing with horses you just need to be a little bit careful of if they've been wormed recently and the wormer is in their poo so all I did was practice my recall so I just called her to me and she came running to me with a mouthful of horse poo in her mouth but because then I had food to reward her for coming to me she spat the poo out and she got rewarded for coming to me and that was the end of the poo story so I think we panic if we just slow it down a bit and just call the puppy to her whether they bring the poo or not is irrelevant because if you're going to reward them with something for coming to you the poo's going to get spat out at that point point. and i think it builds on to bigger things as well like training which will be another i think probably the <laughs> next episode that we look at and things like recall and other training to make yeah. sure that you know they they are kind of understanding what you what you want them to do 
Keeping on the topic of poo, as yeah. this is the episode of it, Holly has a very strange pooing kind of ritual. Like, I think my sister, she found it a bit odd, and it, I didn't really <laughs> think anything of it, but I've been watching other dogs and how they poo. I, Tom, the Tess and Willow, when they need a poo, they'll go, they'll squat, they'll poo, they'll leave. Because Holly has this thing of, like, just walking round. Willow does. So Tess, Tess will go and it'll all be in one place, whereas Willow, it's like a really, really awful treasure hunt, and she'll kind of <laughs> drop them over a, like a meter and you've got you've got to uh, find them because they're Holly. all it's they're, they're like the same color as the as the kind of dried grass and stuff like that yeah. <laughs> it's really hard like find it oh there's one there's one there's one yeah i don't know what it is she's like trying to make a string of sausages or something it's a bit so weird. maybe maybe it's not that bizarre then i don't know i don't know why they why they do it i wish they would stay still and just sort of do it in one place but willow willow likes to do it on the move she's got things to do places to be so she shits and goes well, have either of you heard of that research a few years ago that showed that dogs generally like to line themselves up with magnetic north? I did no. see that. I, I yeah, saw I that. I it was rubbish. Yeah. Is it true? I just assumed so I it think was... it. I think. I mean, I think it was a really small sample size. I think in terms of research, <laughs> it was rubbish research. Yeah, but it's a theory for some dogs. Why Don't do say that because Neil will believe it. He's really He'll get comfortable to say Yeah, maybe. But I they said like that... she does spin, but she 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 kind of just waddles around wiping it, not wiping it everywhere, just dropping it everywhere. Didn't know if that was normal or not. Well, they does it in a sort of straight line, so she'll do it on a, on the go in a sort of one direction, which is quite you know you just follow the trail. <laughs> but it is it is quite annoying. I don't know why. Another thing they do this is really odd. So if I take them both out for a run or a walk, they will be sort of doing their own separately, not looking at each other, and they'll both squat and we or poo at the same time it's like synchronized but they're not watching what each other's doing they're just sort of doing it. it's not kind of random like it's it i was rather it is random it's not kind of like you get them out of the car and then they go straight away they're sort of they'll be playing for five minutes and then both do it at the same time it's very odd it's like they're telepathically communicating it's like, it's like with each other. <laughs> well yeah well they're, they're not sync it's like when girls start to cycle together their poos are together yes yeah i don't know i don't it's Sorry. quite interesting <laughs> Well, they've got cat? very similar gastric when... trans- transit time, haven't they? Presumably they're fed together. Yes. Was that when people go cycling? No, no not on a tandem. I think it's no, like a men- no. menstrual cycle. <laughs> you have to look. <laughs> Do you see what I mean about him being susceptible? <laughs> uh, it, it's a, it's a Tuesday evening. for a bike ride. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> All at the same time. Like, wow. How strange. I do get the kind of, they're obviously kind of, you know, eating and drinking together, but it is to the millisecond. It's just, you know, just a bit odd. I quite like it though. Some animals use fecal marking for scent marking. Mm. Um, I know cats do that for territory marking. Do do dogs do that to, to a certain degree, Rosie? Yes, they do. So I do know particularly ex-street dogs will often choose to poo high up. So they'll use molehills or mounds or they will handstand or cock a leg as they're pooing to try and get it as high on a (laughs) cross as possible. So I'm, I'm, 
I'm sure that that must have a visual marking purpose. And I have had a dog who was referred to me for perceived separation issues that actually I diagnosed it as being a fecal marking issue in the house instead because of where it was doing it. And when we got video footage of it left alone, etc., it didn't add up as a separation issue. It was more a pooing where people, dogs or outside, you know, outside windows or full length glass doors, basically. So, yeah, wow, interesting. Because I know, I know cats How do that, but I, I didn't know dogs did it. I, I wasn't entirely sure that dogs did it. But I guess in the wild, they may well do. It would be a silly thing not for them to do or to use it. Yeah, as a, as well, there's such, such a lot of information in poo, such a lot of scenting information. You know, that's why yeah. dogs, well, dogs sniff each other's bottoms because of their anal glands, but of course their anal glands are coating the feces with yeah. the scent. So, yeah, so yeah they, they probably do. Yeah. Two more poo-related questions before we we move on to our, our doggy data of the episode and, and kind of wrap things up number one you were talking about the christmas collect nut so yeah. you know do you do you advise maybe with the dingleberry with uh, maybe more furry related dogs that that you trim and cut the area <laughs> to stop to stop <laughs> the, a, the cleg nuts a... and like a wipe as well like a, a, one of our some that we know constantly wiping their dog's bottom so you know I mean, is, is that does it take away some of the i guess the i don't know the lubricant i'm not sure though it feels like you should just let sleeping dogs lie rather than wiping their thumbs all the time let sleeping dingleberries be <laughs> um, well for some dogs a trouser trim so i will often say oh let's trim his trousers and just clear clear away the fluff at the back because of course some breeds are very fluffy and you know especially as they get older and are maybe less flexible and can't clean themselves as much they can get a bit clogged up around the back end you don't have to do it. There's no particular health reason, but simply from practicalities. You know, nobody likes to snuggle the dog on the sofa and then watch it walk off and watch its little bottom clank as the bits like slap together. <laughs> so you certainly can. And, and if there if there is a little blob, a little hanging blob left, there's no reason why you can't get a piece of tissue paper or an unscented baby wipe and clean them. I, I can't see a real issue with that. That it shouldn't it shouldn't make them sore. But you know, really what we're aiming for is the perfect poo is holds its shape, is a little bit indented, is nice chocolatey brown and slides out easily so it doesn't it's not too sloppy and it's not too hard. Easily pickable upable, but not so sticky that it should stick to the fur. You know, I think poo consistency is what a lot of owners and colour as well is what a lot of pet owners really focus in on. And that's the perfect poo. Not too soft, not too hard, not too dark, not too pale. Just well, I, I, t- talking about the colour, because Holly these days has, you know, a very good kind of firm texture to it. To it. The, Ooh, the texture isn't marvelous. an issue, but it's more, it's, it's like a you know these drills that in in geology and you see how far back you've gone into the third ice age or whatever it's it's a little bit like that with her poo you can the see the story bit. of her dinner yeah it's like well hold on okay that's where she was having the mud you know that's maybe where she's had a normal dinner I, I guess that's quite normal as well this kind of ability to as tom was saying you know to to really see the history of their 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 food intake since their last poo Yes, yeah, to a certain degree, and it might depend on the digestibility of the different foods, you know, how much has been absorbed out of the meal and how much remains. The brown colour comes from the breakdown of, like, haemoglobin and, you know, bile from the system, so it might depend on that and the meals that they've had. So, yes, and it does 
you know, vary, but that chocolate brown consistency is what what we're really looking for. But, we don't. Tom, do you get this or not? Um, yeah, sometimes you see sort it's of not a, just Holly. a discoloring. Yeah, like going from one shade of shit colour to a different shade of shit colour, <laughs> yeah, and you kind of go, "What's what happened there? Did they?" But we've got at the minute sort of all the apples are falling off in our garden, so I think they're going out having a bit of a bite of an apple occasionally. And so yeah, you do see little bits of it or something. Some, one of the kids' toys that they're chewing. Oh, that's where it went. Well, that's get, a good way yeah, of checking of... their their um, their gut transit time. Well, yes. I mean, I wouldn't suggest deliberately feeding them children's toys. Maybe some <laughs> carrots or sweet corn, the classic, isn't it? You know, when you've eaten sweet corn, and you can check. Not that. I mean, that would just be purely for personal interest. Really, <laughs> how long it takes to go through. How you get your kicks of a weekend, eh? I'll be feeding Mandy some sweet corn soon to check, for sure. <laughs> but this is, again, another episode where we talk about, you know, the things that dogs eat. You know, we're talking towels and, as you say, kids' toys and socks or whatever. It may be completely different episodes. Oh, I know that will go off on a tangent. Beds. But, uh, no, oh, don't get me started. I know, we'll go back onto episode, episode next episode. But the, the thing that, that Holly does with poo, even today so we've gone out on her first poo of the day in terms of the morning great consistency great color but then probably i don't know we're talking 10 15 minutes later she'll go again but it's a more yellowy softer poo Mm -hmm. is that again is that abnormal is that you i think you were moving on to that kind of golden color maybe not being as as healthy or being no so that's that's relatively normal so when it comes to your gut the very back end of your intestinal system poo tube if you will is the rectum and that's basically the <laughs> is that like google, google missed the trick there poo tube oh my goodness that that's how i'm not googling that i'm not googling all that. the pictures of poo that i have on my phone and yeah so the rectum is like the evacuation chamber for the feces it's where it sits in readiness to come out and the primary job of the rectum is to absorb water because water is a very valuable resource for the body so the poo that they do first thing in the morning has often been sat there for quite a few hours you know they're often fed six seven o'clock at night the the gut transit time in a dog is personally very variable but you know let's say like eight hours maybe 10 hours for full digestion sometimes less so it's probably been sat there a while just thinking about coming out but no urge so the rectums had a lot of time to extract the water so you get this lovely firm solid fairly dry poo but then what you get with dogs is then you get up and about and they get moving and they're very active and they're running about and that starts the guts churning a bit. So the poo takes less time or spends less time in the rectum. It gets to the to the exit chamber and it's like, right, it's time to go. So that feces just is often a bit sloppier because the system just hasn't had the time to extract the water. So it's because not that, unusual. That be bre- that's not breakfast poo, though. That, that's too quick, isn't it? Because that's only No, 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 no. So that, that'll have been coming through. You know, that's why meal feeding dogs is quite helpful because then it's sort of coming through in more of a bulk rather than drip feed. So you're not getting a dribble. And a lot of dogs, very, very active dogs will often, you know, sometimes you can go on walks and if they're running around loads, people will say to me, well, they do one normal poo and then they do several and it just gets gradually yeah, more and more until it's completely unpickable, upable. You know, it's just not, you can't pick it up at all. So, um, and then sometimes in those cases, we need to go and find them a different diet, one that they digest a bit better, that's slightly more digestible with a bit more bulk and a bit more fibre in it sometimes to, you know, really bulk the faeces out, slow its passage through, get it sitting in there a bit longer. But yeah, to have one normal followed by one slightly sloppier is totally, totally average. 
Perfect. This actually, that's this is another good segue onto this second question I wanted to finish on with Pooh. And it was when you were talking about the dogs running around a lot, you have a good one, a little bit softer, a little bit softer, and then the unpickable poo. Mm. So in terms of the Rosie, Tom, Dawn as well, what's the etiquette for a dog that poos on the pavement that's unpickable? Is it like, is it just a lot of scraping with a poo bag? Occasionally I've got a leaf and I'm trying to, I'm trying to scoop it up. It's it. There's a certain amount of embarrassment as a dog owner when that happens. You know, this bottle's quite good, isn't it? If you got, if you can remember when those, if if you've got one to hand, you know, you can give it a spray down. Any tips? Top tips for the unpickable poo on a pavement? (laughs) (laughs) That's a tongue twister, isn't it? (laughs) Peter Piper picked an unpickable poo on a pavement. (laughs) You did that pretty well. Yeah, I would do my best with a poo bag and then uh, what if I haven't got water bottle to swish it away uh, or like if I haven't parked nearby and the dog's water bottle's in the car or something, I would try and pick leaves to just cover it so that at least if someone stands in what's left, it's not too bad. The old cover technique. I didn't think about that. There's me with a, I think it was like a laurel leaf. I should have just covered it with something. You just That'd made it work. Better you idea. Just <laughs> I did. I was like scraping, smearing it around. Dawn, I... and, like, what would you do? I don't know. This is one of the reasons why I don't have a dog and have cats <laughs> yeah, instead. Yeah. <laughs> I don't Dawn have to worry stick about with it. Cats, it'll be fine for Dawn. Dawn doesn't have to worry about this. Her <laughs> neighbours do, but she doesn't. Tom, have you have you? I've well, just swished away with water, or uh, what I've done before. I, mean, I tend to not as don't to, tend to walk on the pavement. They tend to sort of just I just go down to the sort of fields and, and by the river. So I have the same problem with a slightly softer one in the long grass because you, all you're doing is kind of basically, it's in, <laughs> impossible to pick up. But I have. The one time that it, Willow got a bit ill, she had a bit of a poorly tummy and basically exploded on a pavement. I There happened to be a woman who was kind of moving some stuff from her garage and I kind of went, I'm really, really sorry. Um, my dog's done something unspeakable outside your house. Do you have a bowl oh, of, no. a washing up bowl of water I can just sort of swish it away with? And she was very accommodating and we got some kitchen roll and we swished, swished some water away and we had, you know, I wouldn't say we had a nice time but I got to know the neighbours. It was lovely. And we cl- did a bit of cleaning as well but I very much... That's commitment. It, well, she was, she was kind of, she walked out just as I sort of, you know, because there's nothing I can do because a, ba- a bag's not doing anything bag is you know it's it's pointless but i do have this problem in the kind of long grass because you just kind of make it work you just kind of spread it over a further distance but you you do what you can and know that you've done what you can what i also do though is um i when willow and tess they went from sort of their puppy food to their adult food that kind of literally sort of overnight and i took them for a walk and i didn't pack enough poo bags i packed about six and thought that'd be enough took them out for a walk and they they basically did like three and a half poos each because they'd gone from like this amount of food to this amount of food and i ran out of poo bags at one point and then they did one on the path and i i because i was in my running kit i didn't have anything with me nobody about i thought well you know i'm just gonna have to leave it and i was mortified and embarrassed did my walk did my run came back as i walked down the path i was kind of i was almost ashamed to look at the path to see what they'd left but uh, as i looked the poo had gone somebody <gasps> had picked it up and i decided that day right there, then and there that if ever i saw a kind of spare poo on the floor and 
I had a poo bag, I would pick up other people's poo bags. So it's kind of like sort of ripples on a pond. That, yeah. that's instead, of, instead of pay it forward, that's poo it forward, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so it kind of, it, because I, I assume that people leave stuff or don't pick up the, you know, they're not very good responsible dog owners, but sometimes, you know, we all get caught short or the bags we don't think we have as many bags as we do. So I, if I see one that isn't mine, which is weird, picking up other people's dog poo feels really weird and grim. Especially but when it's I, cold. When it's cold. Yes. Oh, Why is it yeah. so cold? That? Why is that worse than when it's warm? It's, it is, but it is. <laughs> but I just, so I decided, you know, I, so the, the poo fairy came and saved my bacon and um, um, other people's poo fairies as well. So there we go. It's just, it's so. just a bit odd that you do it with, without your dogs there. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got it. You got it. Yeah, but do you, yeah, so picking up, I do pick up other people's as well um, okay, when I see it, which isn't very often actually these days. And again, like, there's so much about picking up poo and how people dispose of poo. I guess, you know, again, that's a, it's a future episode. You know, don't get me started with the poo bag swinging in the trees. Well, you know, it's it, like, I think that's dog owners. Uh, dog yeah. owners gone mad, Neil. That's yeah, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit crazy. Yeah. What's that, Kat? Oh, leaving the little poo berries, it, it is just bizarre. But then again, you know, I can understand not some people are not wa- wanting to like walk along with a little bag of poo dangling <laughs> from their hands, but. You know, that's why you need a little a little knapsack or or a, a bum bag, as I like to uh, fashion. A bag of poo. Oh my god! Oh, oh, yeah. as my old man Take used to do, just put it in your pocket and you keep your hand warm. Oh. <laughs> hand warmer. <laughs> a little hand then, warmer. But then, what if you forget about it and find it in there? Like, oh, I've a done week that. Later. Yeah, I've done I'm, that. I was going, why is that? Why is the cupboard under the stairs smell really horrible? Right, <laughs> and then you go, oh yeah, there's a two day old poo in there. <laughs> Right, what we need now is we need a sound effect toilet flush so we can move on to the next segment and finish with some doggy data. We can come back to poos, I'm sure, another week. But Dawn, have we got any interesting doggy data to finish the show on? Yeah, so um, Helsinki Airport at the moment is using sniffer dogs to detect COVID in people who are coming into the country. And they can detect it within about 10 seconds. And it's actually more accurate than a PCR test. Mm. That's good, isn't it? I didn't know the, that. Know the dog's that. nose can detect 10 to 100 molecules of coronavirus, wow. whereas PCR needs 18 million. I've heard the stories about dogs kind of like sniffing at their own, at a particular part of their body and sniffing their own and sniffing their own. And then the owner's then gone, what's going on here? And then they've gone to the doctor and it turns out the dogs have been sniffing a tumour and they can mm-hmm. smell cancer. That's Well, that's that... where this, this came from. So this is Medical Detection Dogs is the oh. charity who have been training the COVID detection. Mm-hmm. And that was set up by a colleague of mine whose dog did exactly that. Mm-hmm. So her dog detected her breast cancer and that was how no she set, ended way. up setting up Medical Detection Dogs. Wowzers. How, how long does it take? How long does that process take like to get... um? A dog trained for let's say for COVID because I might bring one into uh, into the generator. <laughs> Have Holly sitting at the door, barking, turn, no, turn, turning, people, turning people away. Well, I think they started pretty quickly when COVID hit, and their dogs now working out there doing it reliably. I mean, I guess those dogs need to be very advanced, st- you know, stage of training to get to the initial stage of training a dog to detect a scent is very quick, but then it's about training the dog to detect very 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 low levels of the scent i don't know their sense of smell is phenomenal they can smell up to a hundred thousand times better than we can the practice that i work at we look after a lot of police dogs and the scent work that they get their guys to do is amazing they're now training them to scent 
SIM cards in mobile phones. So not just a phone, but a SIM card. And they were telling me the other day that they can scent the different SIM cards smell different. So they can scent them to, to smell a very specific type of, you know, a different make of SIM card. Like the things that dogs wow. can, you know, the way that you, we can manipulate their amazing sense of smell to help us is phenomenal. And the cancer detection dogs particularly are just absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely amazing. They smell the, I think, what do they do? Is it a lot of them, they yeah. smell urine, don't they? Yeah. And can scent sent the metabolites of tumors yeah. in the urine better than any machine is it, is it something that, it, that will grow that, that we'll see more and more of or, or does it just take too long and it's it's too resource heavy too financially expensive yeah i think to train the dogs to, to, to do this i think it is very financially heavy in terms of the funding but yeah it's brilliant it's amazing to, to donate to for, um... just a, a little thing to end on here I don't know if anyone's seen the movie A Dog's Journey. But, you know, they, they, I think, were one of these medical sniffing dogs um, on Netflix. It was a very teary film, I must admit. I had a good cry. It's not... Oh, Neil. Is it, is it, you're very, you're very lacrimose in your old age, aren't you? I say it's unreal, mate. Like, the whole family were watching it. We are in tears. Is it like, if you've ever seen it, it's a great one with the kids. It's, it's a bit strange, but also I only really watch superhero movies. Yeah, I don't like things with animals, especially if it makes me cry. I don't want to. Well, it's, it's a Christmas holiday for you, isn't it? You, don't, you want a bit of escapism. It is a bit, yeah, when you, when you watch it and you're just like, well, that would never happen. That's that, that yeah. Happen. That dog's <laughs> yeah. really badly behaved. That one's overweight. Yeah, 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 yeah. I probably wouldn't be much fun to watch that movie with that <laughs> Well, if anyone else watched it, let me know. Feel free to, to share your views on the next episode. But thanks ever so much, guys. Enjoy the rest oh, of the Just your... before and... we finish, can I, um, can I share you with you a couple of interesting poo facts that I thought you would like to know? Oh, we can't, oh, yeah. we can't have poo facts missed off of this episode. The, uh, I, well, I mean, I've obviously got a lot, but I thought I would just share with you a couple of my favourites. Number one, the average dog produces 125 kilos of poo a year. That is a lot of poo. So it's really important we all pick up. And this is one of my favourite poo facts. So the name for bloody poo, so poo with lots of blood in, which we didn't cover, we can maybe cover that another day, is, and I'm very sorry to anyone who's called this out there, Melina. So dark, well actually it's dark, <laughs> sticky, black poo with digested blood, Melina. Melina. Wasn't that, was that Donald Trump's wife? <laughs> well, she was Melania, so it's not far off. Yeah, Melina that's... is the name for like poo with blood in. Don't come I always, after us, Trump. I always think Don't that's really him. unfortunate because sticky, dark, disgusting, black, bloody poo yeah sad times i don't think i know any melinas no but it's just it's so close to melanie isn't it and all of that it's, it's, anyway, it's close to about four your different children, names Melina, well i am looking for a name if if we go that way if it is a girl it's worth <laughs> so, melina right i'm gonna go and look at my dog's poo it's about that time of the evening <laughs> Thanks very much for listening to Pup Culture, the podcast all about dogs and puppies. You've been listening to me, Tom and Neil, producer Dawn, Cat Vet, and Rosie, the behavioural therapist. Join us again soon for another episode. Um, but we want to say a big thank you and big thanks to our sponsors. Yeah, so thanks ever so much to Adaptil. Basically, they help send comforting messages for your puppies to feel calm and relaxed. So go check them out. Thanks again to them for supporting us on this journey. Also, make sure you follow us on Instagram at Pup Culture Life. We want to see your pictures and we want to hear those stories. See you again soon.